everyone, welcome to another episode of Everybody Blurt. Each week we chat to a different expert, giving the professional lowdown on depression, well-being and support available. Think of this podcast as a helping hand through the often scary world of mental health, from eating well and getting good night's sleep to being there for someone who's struggling. We'll cover the practical stuff as well as the emotional, so settle down with a cuppa and let's get started. Welcome to episode 6 of the Everybody Blurts podcast. Today I'm joined by the rather amazing Joe Gifford, aka the Dexterous Diva. Joe is someone I admire hugely and who has played a pivotal role in helping me to learn about and manage depression. Not just that, I see Joe as a trailblazer when it comes to business. Hi Joe, welcome to the show. Hello my darling Jane, I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I thought we would start with a little bit of an introduction to yourself, if that's okay. Um, so I'm Jo Giffords. I'm um, a 38-year-old mum of twin girls, even Mia, who are almost six. And um, I'm an online entrepreneur and I mentor solopreneurs to work in smarter and creative ways and to get their message out to the world. Um, so I work pretty much online all the time. I have my own products and services and I mentor people via Skype and that sort of stuff. Um, so yes, I'm in a really good place in terms of my business and my family and I've built my business up over the last few years um, and I'm kind of at the stage now where it's about to get really big or kind of even bigger you know, than it has been. So it's um, it's a really interesting journey and we've been friends, haven't we, for some time because um, yes. just to let people know that we... Um, Four years ago now, surprisingly. I think it might be longer. I'm pretty sure oh, I started my blog in 2009 or 10. Right, so we met. And actually, you were one of the first people that I spoke to on Twitter oh, when I first wow. came on there. So, yeah, really long time. So we are a testament to the power of Twitter and the blogosphere, right? I mean, we connected through that. And we ran as part of a team of women, uh, Team Bangs on the Run, which was um, a project by one of our dear friends, um, Miriam Kerry Campbell, who's um, a fitness blogger and a really iconic lady. And we trained for a half marathon together. Um, And then since then, we've kind of been really good friends and our businesses have grown and developed and we're growing and developing. And... um, yeah, and so it's a, just a pleasure to be here with you today to share some more of my story. It's exciting to have you, it really is. Um, it's lovely to be interviewing a friend. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is, because I know the answers to lots of the questions, <laughs> but I think they're really useful for the people who are listening. Um, so one of the things that I really loved about getting to chat to you on Twitter was that I opened up about depression, my own experience right. of depression. Um, it took a lot of courage to do that, and as soon as I did, you were one of the first person people one well, of the first people that came back to me were like, I totally get it. Mm. These are some things that you could try. And I loved you for that because you were the hand that was reaching out to me in the dark, really, um, on social media. And one of the first people I felt accepted me for me, warts and all, because in my real life, I, it was something I wasn't being at all open and honest about. And mm. um, since I've known you, you've always been completely honest about your experiences of depression and anxiety. Did you ever make a conscious decision to be, or was it just something that, that was? Okay, that's really interesting. So with my kind of experience of all this stuff, I'll kind of rewind a little bit. And I think um, depression has kind of always been in my life, certainly from my late teens. And um, my kind of insight to that is that for me, it's a hormonal thing. Um, I've found that depression is very, very much linked with my hormones, with my cycle. Um, and so it's kind of been a background thing in my life for a very long time. So that's a good, scary enough, like a good sort of 20 years. 
Um, I also have some chronic health conditions. So I have endometriosis, um, which, you know, after years of that, I then developed sort of chronic fatigue and then fibromyalgia, all of which I kind of have a system of managing now. I'm, I've learned some great habits, you know, which we can talk about later on about, you know, holistic management and stuff like that. However, part of having chronic illnesses is, you know the mental aspect of dealing with that and so depression is still very much you know it sort of comes and goes in my life um added to that when I had my little girls my twins I had raging postnatal depression which I think was probably around the time that we connected because I was just coming out of um a really difficult time in which you know this sort of postnatal depression was huge I was you know um, kind of anxiety was now part of the mix in a really big way um, and you know I started having anxiety probably in my late 20s I started to have little pockets of it would appear um, for me I now know that it's very much linked with the chronic fatigue syndrome so when my body is really really tired and needing rest I'll start to be really anxious um, and I did find it really hard at first to you know to be vocal about it actually when I, you know when I had a proper job and stuff like that I I found this very weird you know I was a confident girl I'd never had any kind of issues about this and suddenly I was having sort of panic attacks on the tube you know I was finding it hard to go to work loads of weird stuff was starting to happen to me and I found it very difficult and I went self-employed um gosh 10 years ago now and at the time wasn't very visible online because there wasn't these kind of platforms that we now have I was sort of blogging away quietly and you know um in a corner by myself um <laughs> because there was no Facebook it's very much the MySpace and early blogger generation um and I had my own business and I started to find that I, I was being honest with the clients that I then had because I felt very much it's my business this is part of my lifestyle now if I can't get to meetings because of chronic health conditions or because of whatever I'm going to find a way to work around it and I'm going to be honest with my clients like pretty much all my clients knew that you know that I had chronic um you know fatigue syndrome and stuff and so I was honest from the outset because I felt that you know they would either get it or they wouldn't <laughs> um and in those days, I ran my graphic design business. And so it was quite difficult because a lot of clients did want to have the meetings with me like they used to have. They wanted to have, you know, the face-to-face -face time, which as a younger woman, before my health became worse and before having the children, I was kind of able to do. Um, and then it became evident that, you know, there was certainly more and more pockets of time that I needed to just look after myself and, and find a way of working that, you know, would really support you know the way that I needed to be so I started becoming vocal with my close circle of clients not not everyone liked it it was difficult you know not everyone was you know receptive to my honesty you know a lot of people judged me a lot of people felt that uh you know it was inappropriate to share this a lot of people felt that um you know they, they just didn't resonate with it for whatever reason and alongside that I was starting to develop my own blog as we started blogging at the same sort of time really vocally and I was sharing these experiences of being a mum with chronic health conditions working for myself and I started to, to sort of develop this ability to almost blog it out 
<laughs> and I think we both found at the time, didn't we? Very much. This is yeah. going back to like 2009 or so. And I was very much kind of, you know, I'm going to share how it is to have pain. I'm going to share how it is to try and work with chronic health conditions. I'm going to share about being depressed. And I'm going to share what this, you know, about all this stuff. And at the time, obviously, when you start a blog, it was very much, you know, small kind of readership. And, you know, then we connected with more and more people through Twitter. And, you know, sort of like you, I was really pleased to have other people that were in a similar situation to me because actually depression and anxiety can feel really isolating, can't it, and really scary. And suddenly online, even if I'm stuck at home with, you know, having a bad day, I've got friends that I can share it with online. So that kind of snowballed. Um, and, you know, my kind of visibility grew really from that blog. And actually my, you know, my blog itself, then, you know, I took the choice to leave my design business as it was and concentrate on my site because, you know, I I developed a following and I'd found my voice. I'd found that um, because I had these illnesses and I was working from home, I I developed some really cool ways of working really smartly and of, um, you know, sort of teaching other women, other entrepreneurs how to work smartly, how to make the most of their time, how to blog for their business, and all this stuff occurred because of what I was having to do. Um, and this was then flourished into the business as it is now. Um, you know, so my main thing is teaching other solopreneurs how to blog, how to work creatively, how to work smartly, because I've had to learn it, because I've had to make the most of my time. So because, it's like a really long answer to your question, Jane. But, <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> but because I had kind of gone through these things of, you know, starting to share my stuff, you know, I've changed my business now so that I wasn't having to do the stuff which was difficult for me. Um, I then completely had this business where my backstory really is that, you know, I had to learn to work smart and to make the most of my time. I've learned to, you know, to blog for business because I've had to learn how to be visible in a really kind of global way without wearing myself out. And actually that turned the business into what it is now. So now people that follow me, that read my work, that hire me for stuff, that do my programs, that part of the story resonates with them now. So the fact that I'm authentic about my life is part of the reason they come to me. So it's kind of turned from being something I was kind of scared to put out there, scared to talk to clients about, to being a really strong part of my story. Um, because if people want to buy a package or some mentoring about how to work smart and all that sort of stuff, they're going to understand that I really know my stuff, that I am literally in bed for like a certain amount of time, you know, during the week that I literally have to make my time work for me, that I have kids and I have these illnesses and I... So it's kind of, it's actually become a part of my business. Um, and so now, you know, when I'm working with my clients or, or kind of in my big Facebook community, if I have to step away for a while, if I'm starting to feel mentally burnt out, you know, if physically worn out, I tell them. And I just say, look, guys, I'm going to step away for a few days. I'm just feeling a bit you know, burnt out and, and sort of needed to have self-care. And not only do they respect it, but what's happened is that people have, are really putting self-care at the top of their list as well. And I find that I tend to attract entrepreneurs who have had burnout, who have had health problems, who are dealing with all sorts of things. So it's kind of turned into a blessing, Jane. 
is the really long <laughs> but i think that's really interesting because i saw a um, recently saw a quote where it said something like entrepreneurs um they people who escape the nine to five to work nine to midnight <laughs> and so i love that about you um because no that's something you're not going to do and you're encouraging entrepreneurs to not do that and showing them ways that they cannot do that to avoid the burnout to avoid the exhaustion to avoid you know those 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 things which open the door for your mental health to be poorly to go you know to be unwell and and i think that that's fantastic so i don't think you're i think probably all entrepreneurs who are listening can really resonate with the fact that burnout self-care you get excited about and you enjoy your work that's the trouble you enjoy your work so much that it's really hard to put it down like with blur i find that all the time i'm so excited by some of the things that are happening like it's not a chore but i do find that then you know that time to yourself can dwindle oh yes absolutely and you know i think you know part of our joy of being our kind of own bosses and stuff is that we love what we do we have a real sort of passion for it I love serving the people that I work with I love hanging out with them and I you know I will happily sit there you know every evening you know with my laptop and think oh I can just tweak that thing I can just go over there and do that I can just write a post and which happens a lot and you know if it's feeling good then fine I'll go with it but um yeah I think many of us sort of type a over over ambitious people are kind of often prone to this other side which is the one we don't often talk about in business which is the burnout which is the you know depression the crash and burn the stress and I found as I'm sure well because obviously you have with Blurt that the more I share about it the more people I realize around me you know are saying yes oh my goodness you know I've had awful anxiety or yes I've been really depressed and I'm you know sort of struggling to work or you know yes I've had kind of xyz sort of health condition and I'm trying to rebuild my life and actually there's no normal there's no normal out there that is you know we're not different we're we're kind of creating our own way um and it's amazing how many people out there do suffer from being poorly in some way I think that's how social media has changed the landscape for us a little bit because I think in the old days when we had businesses it was very much about having a what was deemed a professional front and you know no oversharing you know you you had a very very clear client relationship and um, you know and how you spoke to clients and things and I think definitely since you know I trained to be an accountant years ago and it was very much that way yeah. and now even with the accountants that I know and work with it that's completely changed so I think social media has allowed that to happen it's allowed us to share parts of our lives the good the bad the ugly but and to still show that we are professional determined <laughs> ambitious completely you know, I think there's no yeah um, I think that having that kind of authentic connection with people so I would say I probably talk about the actual day-to-day stuff like a little bit less on my site now but I will talk about it quite a lot um, in the community that I run on Facebook I will be in there and I'll be completely glaringly honest in there um, and that's not that's not been such a conscious choice but I think that uh, the fact that my backstory is so strong um, kind of does resonate with people and in fact you know one of the Huffington Post articles I did which was about how chronic illness has helped me be successful in business was was quite big and people were really resonating with that because I think there's so much about self-care about my limits about my boundaries about my passions that I've learned through having to really do some self-work I think if I was happily carrying along with no problems in the world I wouldn't have put in the the time the energy the investment you know all the stuff that I've done 
to help myself I now know my body so so well you know I've I've learned and brought in so much stuff from Reiki to yoga to acupuncture to massage to you know sort of nutrition mindset you know I know that we're both really big on on personal development aren't we and I don't think I would have had those tools and that toolkit around me so much if I didn't struggle with something. But if it wasn't the fact that it had taken us to our knees, I don't think that we would have become so perhaps self-aware about what helps, what doesn't help. And I wondered what role depression and anxiety played in the timing of outsourcing because when you start an org- a business um you do everything. Yeah. You literally do absolutely everything and it can be quite a jump to outsource. Um um so I wondered whether do you feel if you look back that you outsourced sooner than you might have done and it's a bit of a hypothetical question no 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 no. that makes total sense Shane um well the first thing that I let go was accounting because I think you're amazing that you were an accountant that made me cry so I mean that was literally the first thing years ago I was like I'm just not gonna do my books because that really triggers me I'm gonna I'm gonna be crying so that was kind of the first thing and then as you say you know we do everything um and I started building a team only last year, so I've been self-employed for 10 years, but my business as it is now has kind of only been rolling for a kind of 18 months in this in this format. So the first thing I did was when I was starting to just need a bit of extra hands on deck with, you know, with sort of scheduling stuff with some tasks, then I brought in my VA, but I brought her in for like one or two hours at a time. This is a year ago. I just, you know, and that at the time was a stretch for me. I just wanted to stretch myself enough to get some help so that I could carry on doing, you know, what I'm good at. So she came on board and did a few hours. And then, you know, as business grew quickly, that then turned into her being like a retainer VA. So now she's there. And and then we brought on somebody else again, just as a few hours. And so um, it's all been really kind of incremental. I've built up each little part as a stretch. And then you kind of ease yourself into that business kind of expansion and you know I've I've kind of built up the team slowly and I have plans for how that's going to roll out as business continues to grow and and as this thing continues to snowball um but I think definitely if I wouldn't have outsourced I think I would have tried to have done more myself which is probably wrong in a way because I think that we try as entrepreneurs certainly we can maybe be prone to having control can't we it's like it's it's our baby and you know I don't want to let somebody else you know do that stuff but I think certainly I was mindful of the of the care that I needed and I would have probably been more worried about investment and money and all that kind of stuff if I didn't know absolutely that self-care was priority so yeah absolutely I think you're right. Do you look back and wish you'd outsourced a bit earlier, perhaps, or did it feel like the right time? It felt like a really good time, but as well as having, uh, you know, my team, I use something called Fancy Hands, which is also um, a fancyhands.com. Do you know that one? Yeah. I love it. Love it. So so fancyhands.com is like like a virtual team of VAs, and I I started using that because it's a really cost-effective way to have, like, phone calls done for you, which... I'm not sure about you, but I, well, actually, I do know about you, Jane, that, you know, if we're really depressed in, <laughs> in, in a poorly way, I can't do phones. Like, no, I, just, I can't. It terrifies me so I can't much. even talk to you, can I? Like, I can't. I, c- I can't talk to um, anyone. Well, not only my family, literally. I can phone people. I find it easy to phone people. Um, easier. I don't find it easy. I find it easier. But to be telephoned, just, right. I don't know. Yeah. It's me there hebes i think it's because i don't know what's gonna i feel like when i'm poorly i feel like they might be asked something for me that i 
can't give and actually I'm really bad at saying no. <laughs> like it's one more thing, isn't it? You just feel like, oh, yeah. yeah, no, I can't. I can't speak to anyone. I can't no. speak to my, you know, my best friends. I can't talk to family. I can't talk to anyone on the phone. And so things like obviously when you're a mum and you have kids, you need things like sort of dentist appointments, doctors, you need, you know, all that stuff. You know, with just some phone calls, a fancy hands for me in those times particularly was really good because it would just be like, okay, there's people phoning stuff. I said, there's people doing research for me, really inexpensive way to do it. That's kind of really helped. Um, but actually, I think over time, I've built my business now to be exactly how I want it to be. So I, and this was what I struggled with, with the model of working when I have my design business, because it's very old school is very much how I used to be you know when I was the London girl sort of living down there with full health and vitality um and no kids completely different landscape to how it is now in and and that industry is very different as well in that you know sort of clients would want to call you know with amends or with new projects and you'd want to go and meet people it's very much a kind of physical and mental drain whereas now my day is designed exactly how I want it to be so I you know get the kids to school and then I'll have a calendar where you know maybe you know I might have some interviews like today I might be collaborating with some other entrepreneurs I might be writing my own content or teaching my stuff but I've spaced it all out in a way that completely suits me and 99% of stuff is by Skype like loving technology so you know I'm sitting here with my running kit on because uh, you know that's going to happen at some point later on you know, I haven't had to worry about makeup for you, Jane, and it, all that stuff. But, you know, I can not hide behind my online image, but I can let it work for me. That could do the heavy lifting. But Yeah, I completely think the landscape's completely... I'm so happy it's changed. Oh I think if, if we didn't have the technology that we had and I was still having to be, an, you know, rumbler in the way that, you know, years ago, before the technology existed, I just wouldn't... It wouldn't be no. here. Um, it just wouldn't. I would have... Don't know what I would have done. I think I would have struggled to work, actually. Yeah. Um, oh, Jane, uh, honestly, if I didn't have my own business in this way, I'd be... I'm, I am unemployable on paper. You know, I I can't physically go to, to an office and guarantee that I'll be there every day because of chronic fatigue. I can't... You know, I've got kids, and when you have kids, you know, as you well know, you might not have slept, or or they might be poorly from the latest nursery virus or school virus or whatever. You know, I am completely unemployable, but yet, you know, by being self-employed, and this is what I'm really passionate about for other women, other solopreneurs who who are faced with a set of circumstances that is difficult and it's it's hard to work when you're poorly. I'm really passionate about you know finding little ways to empower yourself and and to know that if you can you know find an income in your own way that that feels really good to you you haven't lost your financial power you haven't lost your earning potential in your career and all that stuff and I think the hard part in this you know when I was sort of redesigning my business is saying no to people who would have expectations of me so <laughs> right this boundaries is a big one, i want to talk to you about boundaries this. Yeah. baby boundaries. The wonky boundaries let's go into wonky boundaries jane you asked yeah me. depression can affect your self-esteem your confidence and it can change your perception on the world it, it really distorts how you see things so um I know that lots and lots of people speak to us at Blur about wonky boundaries. They're not quite sure how to assert themselves because they've ended, they, find, they find themselves saying yes to everything because they want to be liked, <laughs> they want yeah. to please people, and actually they're not really sure if their view on the world's right or wrong or in between because they're poorly. Um, and I've definitely found work, you know, it's something I've struggled with completely. Um, and so I was going to ask you, 
how you dealt with that. It's really interesting. Um, so I'm nearly 39, and it took me 38 years <laughs> to learn <laughs> how to have boundaries, in all honesty. It took me all that time to learn that it is okay to say no, because, um, you know, like you, I'm, I'm, you know, when I'm well, I'm outgoing, you know, sort of confident, people please, though I want, you know, to help people, that kind of stuff. And I think especially in my first career, which which was graphic design, people always want, you know, graphic design. There's always like, oh, could you could just kind of quickly knock me up a, you know, a business card, a flyer, a insert here thing. And if I had offered and, you know, meant something as a gift, then of course I would do it. But all the time I've been asked for favours and I found that really hard. Um, and, you know... In the end, I learned that it's like that it's better to say no because actually you won't resent that person, that project with your, you know, with your time. I, I've learned the hard way is the honest answer to that. Um, what really helped actually was was having some scripts on how to say no, and I think I discovered the lovely Alexandra Franzen with her pack of scripts about saying no in a loving but empowered way and. I started putting those into action even when I said yes to something and then realized oh actually no that's not right and I've emailed and said hey you know I'm really you know actually I've, I've thought about it and, and I've realized how empowering the word no is it doesn't have to be said in a bad way you don't have to justify yourself you, all of that stuff you just have to think about something See how that resonates with you. Does it feel good or does it feel heavy? Does it feel wrong? You know, how does it how's it kind of sitting with you and go with your gut and, and kind of, you know, and consider that you're not serving yourself or that other person well if you're saying yes to things that are just not right. Um, it's not always been easy. I've had people be frosty with me. I've had friends break up with me because I've not been doing what I, you know, what they wanted me to do. Like you quickly learn who the people in your life are <laughs> who are worth keeping, right? Oh God, yes, I'm nodding. Yeah, really nodding. Fast. Um, I have found though that the more you say no, the easier it gets. Yeah, and 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 what I found is that I say no, but I have a clear set of how I say yes to things. So. You know, yes. for example, all my meetings are via Skype or some kind of online, you know, conference thing. So I have a calendar for that, and I will have clear boundaries around that as well. You know, here's my calendar. Here's the times that you can speak with me. This is what we can talk about. Here's how you can get hold of me. Same with my email. I have an autoresponder now, which goes out to anyone who emails me, which says, hey, you know, I'm going to deal. You know, I deal with my kind of inbox once a day, so people don't expect. An immediate response they know that this is how you know this is how I'm dealing with it I, I answer all the frequently kind of asked questions in that kind of email autoresponder if it's a tech problem with one of my programs go to my assistant if it's this this and this you can go here if it's an interview request you can jump over here and fill in this form so I try and deal with like a, a you know a bulk of the questions quickly and just be clear in myself how I want to work and it's I think the hard thing is when you want to do something and this is what what I battled with for a long time is not accepting what I am able to do and there's that your own personal boundaries of totally. your life and work balance so yeah. in my head you know people might be asking me things and you know do you want to come and speak at this conference do you want to come and of course I want to I want to absolutely yes and I 
I've had a long time of saying yes because rationally I want to, but I'm not really ready. I'm not really able. And this is something that I found that people don't always understand because I I find I'm often judged on the you know, but you could and you should and you you know it's like mm, yes I know that and I know that at some point there's a certain amount of things which I'm not doing right now which I want to bring into my life. I do want to be you know doing live events and and traveling, but I want to do it in my way. I need to do it in my way where I've got support and rest beforehand afterwards where I've built in a whole system of all the stuff I need where I've designed the event in the way that works best to my energy all that kind of stuff but I think often and I've lost you know I've lost friends through this as well I've been in mass exodus of friends where people think or get frustrated that you're not trying yes and I found that with depression anxiety I don't I can't plan it. I don't know when it's going to come. So I, I've, I've lost a friend because I didn't go to her wedding. Um, I RSVP to say I was going to go. She's a dear friend, love her to bits. Um, obviously would want to go. I even did a Pinterest board my outfit. I was really excited and prepared. The day, the day, you know, that morning, going to leave, had a panic attack, didn't go, and she's not spoken to me since. And I think that's really difficult because you can say yes to things that you really want to do, and want, but you don't know. You don't know what the future's you don't know what's in store. No, and depression no. can come out of nowhere. Anxiety can come out of nowhere and knock you to your feet. And also I think the other side of the coin is you might say no to something now because it's, you don't feel mentally well or physically well. You know, you might be unwell and you can't say yes right now, so it's a no mm. for now. Mm. But then sometimes that no is taken as a no forever. So you do lose opportunity. it is difficult when you lose opportunities, that's isn't true. it? That's true. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that's really difficult. But I think again, I, I found more and more that by standing in the power of my own decisions, so by saying no to something, like I used to feel that I had to explain so much as well. I used to feel like I'd have to say, oh, I'm really sorry, it's because I'm ill and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And actually, the more you try and explain, you over-explain, it sounds and no one, yeah. like you're lying. Yeah, exactly. Like ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so now I, I've turned it into more of a powerful like thank you so much for asking me it's not right for me right now however i'd love to keep in touch and blah 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 which is a much like the whole energy around even that statement is much better than oh, oh thank you so much but i'm really sorry but i can't and, blah, 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 blah. and um so i found that the way that i respond to things has changed because i want to keep opportunities open i want to have the possibility there whenever we have a social event be it family friends whatever everyone in my life now knows that there's a caveat of i'm gonna say yes really hope I can come if however on the day you know I'm dribbling with chronic fatigue then obviously I'm not going to come and you know the people in my life now who are really special who totally get that are fine with it because I would be fine with it if it was someone dear to me I really would and so it's less of an issue now because you know one the pressure that I'm putting on myself is less because I know what I need to do I kind of have my coping strategies all in place and the expectations from other people is much, much less. I'm a massive advocate for self-care. I struggle with it. I know that you struggle with it. Um, so I was going to ask you what that looks like for you, just in case I can get some ideas. Oh, <laughs> So that the audience can too. Well, also, I just want to bring up the fact that we are kind of each other's buddy, aren't we? In terms, yeah. obviously we're dear friends, but in terms of depression buddies. And you are the first person that I text 
or or Facebook message if I'm struggling because I know that you do the same and I can always see with you when you're about to have a wobble and you can always see I with can. me and so when it happens and I know before you say it, I kind of go are you alright I go oh my god are you okay yeah no how did you know and you always do the same for me yeah <laughs> and and it's important to have someone who gets it who can always preempt it and you know you know I think our you know our partners are very much similar aren't they and that they can always tell with us when we're about to have a little wobble and um so it's lovely it's so important to have someone special in your life that you can reach out to for that lifeline who will just tell you the permission you know you know the words that you need to hear which is it's okay to go and look after yourself so what self-care looks like for me is a is a combination of things um so I'm very much about making sure that I have enough rest at the moment for mental health and physical health. So for me, that looks like taking time away from my screen in the day, literally, you know, sort of lying down, doing some meditation outside or inside, like away from all of the screens, away from all of the noise, just breathing, making sure that there's some space in the day for my brain and my body to rest. Um, I'm a big advocate for exercising when you're able and when you can you know within your limits obviously I'm someone with chronic you know kind of physical conditions as well so there's you know restraints around that but you know I've got my running gear on today and I'm gonna you know have a bit of fresh air to move my body a little bit if I can't move very much I will work on you know on some gentle yoga poses on some breath you know just do whatever you can within your constraints um self-care for me is also about set, you know sort of setting boundaries of being really clear you know sitting down with my partner and planning you know the weeks ahead what's coming up with engagements like you know sort of social engagements work stuff where do we need to find some quiet time some downtime as a family I know that you and I are like really big fans of the family gym jam days aren't we <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> we've, we've totally installed them every Sunday pretty much. Um, well, at least one weekend day. Yeah, definitely. Jarmy day, literally love it. Like, and it's actually, I know that's coming, so if I'm having a tough week, it's actually a grounding day for me to help me restore. And actually, it's just right, quite, it's just a lovely, relaxed day you know for everybody. My kids love those now. Like, we now call them feral days. We get, you know, go yeah. feral at home, and the kids are like, oh, should we not get dressed today? Should we just stay at home? And I'm like, yeah, fine. And I, <laughs> I, I can need to have a feral morning just to like chill with my kids no technology put on some music we'll eat whatever breakfast we're gonna make you know there's no pressure so that is a big key of it to ensure that at some point there is no pressure and if I can feel like my brain is starting to be overactive to be really wary about stuff you know if I've got like a launch coming up and I'm not sleeping properly because my brain's really creative and worry I can kind of feel it coming so I need to kind of draw back it doesn't always work I don't always do it in time I mean I'm not saying that any of the self-care is 100% all the time but I have to be mindful of it and I think also being honest with you know with my partner and you know, with our surrounding care team of, you know, of kind of in-laws and, you know, and and sort of people who help us with the kids, like, you know, just making sure that everyone is kind of briefed as to, you know, how we are and, and, and what's happening, which again, isn't always easy because that's exposing your vulnerability to people. But um, overall, it has really helped. I'm also a massive fan of good nutrition because that's the backbone of like so much of this. I'm kind of eat really cleanly um not 
obsessively I'm just kind of you know I know what's good for my body and and I work really well with that um I limit my drinking really because that doesn't help me um and I love a gin or two so so I do indulge I do but I'm I'm not a kind of big drinker anymore um and um yeah making sure like it's totally simple things isn't it like you know and like I know that you're really big on this too Jane I'm, I make sure that I see somebody in a day or speak to somebody and I go out the house like that's like really simple self-care which as online entrepreneurs can so easily just drop can't it with especially because isolation tends well depression tends to breed on isolation I think um I, I from my personal experience is definitely if I'm feeling isolated and I haven't seen spoken to anybody you know outside of my family then I can definitely feel the walls closing in on me and also that I haven't got that outside perspective and oh, so that, that seems to validate those thoughts that do get around in your mind and so yeah I'm absolutely firm believer in having some link to the outside world <laughs> literally leave the house you know have a cup of tea with a friend locally like but and, and you know I know certainly if I've been poorly physically for a while and I've been at home I'll notice that my you know the kind of anxiety that I experience will be heightened because it's that thing of going back out into the outside world and you know if I'm at my worst you know the crazy thing is that I can hold like a a teleconference or webinar with thousands of people no problem but I won't be able to get like in the car and drive down the road without having a panic attack which is just sounds ridiculous but I I know and, and so I, I have a set of, of tools that you know whenever things flare up a little bit you know mentally I go back to my coping strategies of right okay first of all number one is always rest I need to make sure I've got some calm and I've got some rest and I need to build up my confidence in in doing things so if I have been super physically poorly for a while and I'm feeling a bit scared about that there outside world then I'll build up some small you know tasks and, and some smaller journeys some like you know I'll start to build it back up that's all for this episode of Everybody Blurts. We hope you found it interesting, thought-provoking and maybe a bit useful too. We're here every week for open, honest discussions about mental health and we'd love you to join us again. Make sure you subscribe via iTunes so you don't miss us. See you next time.